If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Psalm 139. We're going to continue where we left off, um, Psalm 139. Before I read it, I, I have a video that I saw this week that I'd like Dawn to show you. It's from the Chosen series, uh, and it's, uh, it's I think, the, the most recent one that's just been released. But where would be a good place to start? For you? Yes, for me. The Law of Moses, the Prophecies of Isaiah, the Wisdom of Solomon. Mm. For you, I think, Psalms of David. Good start. I'm ready. For example, to the choir master, a Psalm of David. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. And? Just that. Just a few more minutes. Thank you for your patience, guys. Thank you. But I'm not planning on ascending to heaven or making my bed deep in the depths. You asked for a passage. Yes, but one that could help me understand how you and everyone else knows more. That's what I know and what you must come to believe if you want to make any meaningful study of Torah. I don't understand. Excuse me. Yes. Uh, can you tell me what happened with Jesus? He healed me. Healed you of what? Epilepsy. Yes, and how long have... Say it back to me. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed deep in the depths, you are there. There's nowhere you can go. No height you can climb to in your intellectual mind. No depths you can reach in your soul where God is not with you. Do you get it? I think so. No amount of learning can bring you closer to God. Or make you more or less precious to Him. He's always right here, right now, with you, for you. But I don't feel it. The feeling doesn't always come first. Sometimes you have to believe first. Believing a thing does not make it true. Uh, that is wisdom, but these are not just any words. They are David's in Scripture. But how do you know whether David was only talking about himself and not everyone else? He did say, if I ascend, not if people ascend. It almost sounds like you don't want it to be true. Excuse me, can you please tell me what happened with Jesus? Are you with him? Yes, yes, we are his students. <laughs> are you okay? I'm fine. So with the passage of David, I'm just trying to understand. The trying is the thing. Meditate on it for a few days and come back to me. You're always writing things down. Try writing it down several times. Something about writing it down that goes a long way. That's what I say too. Matthew, I think we've only just begun to know all you can do. Thaddeus, little James, you're up. It's more than a feeling. Belief comes first, and then the feelings come. I love that. That was The Chosen. Uh, you can access them. They're wonderful. If you haven't seen them, uh, you can get them on The Chosen website. I think they're free right now. Uh, you can watch the first series, and this is number three in the series, uh, the second series. I think that's all that's out right now. Wonderful, wonderful series. So Psalm 139, I'm just going to read from verse 1. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. 
Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? When can, where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And this is what we're going to look at tonight. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they, were, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. I loved that because I, I just, I, I have such a picture that, that God has formed us. Do, do you know that you are not here by accident? You are the result, uh, not of your mother and father's decision, you're, you're not an oops, you're not an accident, you, you, you are here because God purposed you. He has a plan for your life. He created you. I, I saw a sign recently that said, you're not here by chance, but by God's choosing. His hand formed you and made you the person you are. He compares you to no one else. You are one of a kind. You lack nothing that his grace can't give you. He's allowed you to be here at this time in history to fulfill his special purpose for this generation. And that could not be more fitting or more true for tonight's study. No two of us in this room or in this world are alike. I want you to know that you are of value to God. You have extreme worth because he created you. I, I was at someone's house this week and there, there was a little four-year-old little girl there and she wanted to draw me a picture. And, and I said, oh, I would love for you to do that. I'll take it home and I'll put it on my refrigerator. And she spent the whole time I was visiting with her parents drawing and coloring this picture and she was so proud of it. And, and at the very end, she, she gave it to me and she was adamant. She wanted me to, to promise her that I would hang it on my refrigerator and, and it was a precious picture. But you see, why it was so important to her is because she had poured herself into it. It was part of her. And she had a connection, an attachment to that picture because it belonged to her. She created it. And can I tell you that you belong to God. He created you. He knit you together in your mama's womb. And he has a unique connection, a unique attachment to you because you belong to him. And that's what we see in this passage tonight as we, as we look at Psalm uh, 139. You are his masterpiece, just like that little girl gave me her masterpiece. 
Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. One, one translation says, the good things that he destined us for long ago. Do you know that you have a destiny? That before you were even a thought in your mom and dad's mind, God purposed you. He created you, and he put a destiny in you that only you can fulfill. There's a call on your life, and you can choose. Each of us have a choice whether or not we will fulfill that call and that destiny, whether we'll say yes to all that God created us to be and to do. I, I was praying for, Brand, for Brendan uh, all week long because I knew he was going to, to do the drums tonight. And, and I've so been asking the Lord to bring us a band. And, and so I was thrilled that Brendan said yes to that. But my prayer for him all week long is that when he sat in that cage, that he would feel the pleasure of God. Because I know, I listened to him play. I, I listened to Megan and Kathy. And, and I know that God purposed them for that. He created them for that. He gifted them to do that for him. And there is a unique call and a destiny on each of your lives, and it's up to you whether you will say yes to that, whether you'll embrace that, or, or, because you see, that's where pleasure is found. When we're doing what God has created and called us to do, that's where fulfillment is found, and we're gonna see that in the scripture tonight. So let's look at verse 13, but first let me ask you, if any of you have found a translation this week that you liked, that really stuck out to you, uh, we can ask the team. We also have a mic, I think. Who is doing the mic tonight? Anybody? Karen is gonna do it. Uh, so if, if you wanna share something, and Doug is over there, hey Doug. Um, so just raise your hand and then somebody will come uh, to the mic, bring the mic to you. How about you, team? Did you see any translations? I thought this was a wonderful week of translations. Leah, go girl. I really like the NASB. And, and the words were really literal to what we translated, right. so I really liked that it. it said what it needed to. Um, for you created my innermost parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you because I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my formless substance, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts for me, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Mm. So what really, what did you like about that, Leah? There were several words that really stood out to me. And um, I liked the beginning because he was describing what God saw in him. Um, and so he was accepting that God said that he was awesome, awesomely and wonderfully made and praising God for how he created him. Do you think we have trouble accepting that God thinks we're awesome and fearfully and wonderfully made? Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, it's really common for us when someone compliments us to say, oh, or blow, you know, brush it off. And, um, and it's also very easy to make negative statements over ourselves. And since we've been studying about declarations, I've learned how how awful that is because it's like telling the Lord, you didn't do the right thing when you put me together. And it's Using my little girl's illustration, what if I had said to her when she proudly presented me with that picture, what if I had said to her, 
oh, I really don't like that because you didn't color in the lines and it, it really is, I don't like that picture at all. What would that have done to her? It probably would have crushed her yeah. and done the opposite of what is being done here where the Lord is telling yeah. her. David is proclaiming what the Lord has said about him. And yet we do that every day when we look in the mirror and we say, God, I wish you had made me not have curly hair or uh, why did you make my body this way or why did you create me with this personality? We insult the creator of the masterpiece because he sees us as a masterpiece. Yeah. And that was why I like the verse 15. It says, my frame was not hidden from you. And I think about the Lord just picking up a canvas or he describes us as he's the potter and we're the clay and um, we're his masterpiece. So he, he takes delight in how he created us and he's happy with the result. Mm -hmm. And um, also I liked formless substance because it, it gives um, word to the fact that we're, when we study it, we'll see that the word is rude substance and it's, it's nothing, you know, it's, it's, it's ingredients almost, yeah. you know, like there's ingredients when you make a recipe mm -hmm. and it's, it's not really what it's supposed to be, but through all of the things that the Lord lets us encounter in our life, that formless substance becomes something more. It does. Don, can we put the picture up that I asked you to, to have ready? I, I want to talk about that formless substance. I, I received this picture this week. That's my new grandbaby. <laughs> She's 11 weeks pregnant and look already. And is it ironic that I would be studying this passage and get this? Uh, actually, where's the next picture done? This is what I got first. Big brother, that's Alton. That's his big brother or her big brother. But go back to the other picture and... Um, A glob. But before it was a glob, it was a cell. Do you know that God saw that baby goodling when it was a cell? I said this tonight in prayer. I said, before Betsy even knew she was pregnant, God saw, the scripture says. He saw that cell. Before, I'm looking at Betsy right now. I could never tell she was pregnant. I had talked to her the day before they, they announced this, and I looked at her little skinny body, and I could not tell she was pregnant. I have no way of, of knowing I have a grandbaby in that belly, but God, before, before Betsy even knew she was pregnant, God saw that sweet little baby in her womb. Do you know that before, you were even a thought in your mom and dad's mind? See, this is why you're not an accident. God purposed you. He purposed you. You're not an oops. If God didn't want you here, you wouldn't have been born. And he has a purpose. He put you here for a purpose and a plan. You're not a glob. But that's what that word really means, is, is a glob. It, it, it's just a, a, it's all rolled up in one is what it really means. So, all right, any other translations that you liked? Anybody? I I've love the, the translation from the Passion. Passion? If I can read that. You formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing 
to something. Mm -hmm. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I had even seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you are thinking of me, how precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I awake each morning, you're still with me. So I want you to read just that last portion about, um, it, about the thoughts that were on his mind. And I want you to, to realize that this is the God who knows everything about you. He knows every ugly thing you ever did. He knows every horrible thing you ever said. He knows every behavior that you hate about yourself. He knows it all. And the Bible says that he still cherishes every thought about you. So Karen, mm -hmm. could you just read that again? Every single moment you're thinking of me, how precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. You cherish me constantly in your every thought. I don't know, maybe you're not like me, but if somebody does me dirty, if somebody hurts me, I, I know it's not Christ-like. I'm really working on it. I, Dave, ask Dave and Leslie. They'll tell you I'm working on this. But if you do me dirty, <laughs> I can write you off like it's nothing. I, I'm, I'm really good at that. I wish I wasn't. But I protect myself. If, if, you, are, if you hurt me or you are nasty, you're not going to be in my circle. You're just not. But I love that our God knows everything about us. Every rotten thing I've ever done, even to him. And he still cherishes the very thought of me. Wow, is that love or what? Is that love? Karen, did you like anything else about that passage that you read that? Uh, I, I just love how it explains that, you know, he shaped my delicate inside, my intricate outside, that I, there's nobody else like me, that he saw me and, and he... He saw who, who he created me to be before I became me. You betcha. There's another passage that says, before you were born, God called you. From the day of your birth, he made mention of your name. And that word made mention means he found you worthy to be praised. Um, all right. Any other translations? I heard somebody over here. I got the message. Absolutely. Let's hear it. Okay. Oh, yes. You shaped me first inside, then out. You form me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. I saw that picture up there. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know my every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit. How I sculpt from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watch me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. Your thoughts, how rare, how beautiful. God, I never comprehend them. I'll never comprehend them. I couldn't even begin to count them any more than I can count the sand and the sea or let me... Rise in the morning and live always for you. Very good. What did you like about that, Sandy? Um, I, well, I just think this, just different words like um, breathtaking. Uh -huh. Put that up there. Yeah. Um, just bit by bit. There's just nothing that he doesn't know from before we were even. I, I pulled that uh, one too because I, I, the thing I really liked about it is you know me inside and out. 
and, and I got to thinking even as I was studying this passage this week, how many of us, the Bible says that man judges by the outside, outward appearance, and God judges by the heart. And, and, and I love that it says, you know me inside and out, because we really know each other really just surf, on the surface, don't we? We have a lot of surface relationships where you know somebody from the outside. Who knows that we can put on a good act on the outside? But God knows us from the inside out. He knew me when I was a glob of cells. And he learned me from the inside out. He knows me from the inside out. And I love that. You can't hide from a God like that. And, and so I thought that came out very clear in the, in the message. Karen, did you have a, a translation that you were looking at? No. Gotcha. Anybody else have a translation? Leslie. As you form the way I think and feel, you put me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because you made me in such a wonderful way. I know how amazing that was. You could see my bones grow as my body took shape, hidden in my mother's womb. You could see my body grow each passing day. You listed all my parts and not one of them was missing. Your thoughts are beyond my understanding. They cannot be measured. If I could count them, they would be more than all the grains of sand. But when I finished, I would just have begun. So what did you like about that? Well, I liked, we talked about the very first line. You formed me, you formed the way I think and feel because I, like you and I think so differently and Don and I think so differently. Like it's just, he creates everybody to think differently. Yeah. And so he did that. Like, you, you know, like, he was the one that put the way we think into place. And so um, I really liked that. And then um, I just like how he just, it's just, it's so simple. I, you know, he could see the bones as I grew. And um, yeah, each passing day as it grew and all the parts were there. And yeah, you know, it's just good. So he formed the way we think and we feel. Uh, Leslie says to me, at least, I don't know, a couple times a month, she'll say, I just don't think like you do, Rhea. You know, we just think <laughs> so differently. And, um, and like that's something to be ashamed of. And, you know, it's a beautiful thing that none of us are created the same. Uh, even identical twins. Karen, you're a twin. Uh, you're, you, she looks like her twin. But they're different. Even twins are, are Gary, Barry and Larry. I graduated with them in high school. <laughs> they're identical twins. Even all those years in school, I could never tell them apart. They married identical twins. But even Barry and Larry have a difference. There's, there's some difference in them. And, and, and so no two people are created alike. You are uniquely made by God, and he really thinks you're a masterpiece. Stop trying to be a cheap imitation of somebody else when God says you're a masterpiece. I have a, I have a friend whose husband has been pretty brutal with her and, and has basically said, your body isn't what I'm looking for and it doesn't do anything for me. And, and, and her whole life came to a crashing halt because he said that to her. What if she realized that God created her body that way and that he thinks she's a masterpiece? Um, and we give other people so much power in our life instead of our creator who, who, who is the one who formed us. It would be like me saying to that little sweet girl, I really don't like that picture. It, it's an insult to the, the creator. So anyway, any other translations? I thought there were some other good ones. Nobody the, else? I have the AMPC. AMPC, I did. I pulled it. I thought it was good. Go ahead. For you did form my inward parts. You did knit me together in my mother's womb. I will confess and praise you for you 
are fearful and wonderful, and for the awful wonderful of my birth. Wonderful are your works, and that my inner self knows right well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being formed in secret and intricately and curiously wrought, as if embroidered with various colors, the depths of the earth, a region of darkness and mystery. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book, all the days of my life were written before ever they took shape. When, as they, um, oh, when as yet there was none of them, how precious and weighty also are your thoughts to me, O oh God, how vast the sum of them. If I could count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awoke, could I count to the end, I would still be with you. Yeah. So what did you like about that, Tina? I thought it was very dramatic. <laughs> so, like, it was and we just like drama. Very, yeah. <laughs> um, so it was just like, you did this, you did that, uh -huh. like you are this, you are that. And so it was just um, like, it was just over and over where it was very, like it was just emphasizing a lot of the words. I love that you pulled that out because I thought that's what came out very clear uh, this whole week in study is that we actually think we have anything to do with our life. Do you know what? You did not create you. God did. And you don't give yourself life. God does. And, and the sooner we realize that, that he is the life giver, that he's the life sustainer. All the days ordained for me were written in his book before one of them ever came to be. I have ordained amount of days. That he said, this is the beginning of her life and this is going to be the end of her life. And there is nothing I can do to interfere with, with that, that day of, the day that he has determined is my end. He is the life giver, the life sustainer. He is the creator. He is everything we need. And the sooner we realize that, the happier our life will be. And, and I think that really comes clear in this verse. So let's look at verse 13. Um, he says, for you formed my inward parts. What did you find out about that? I, I like number one, that the, that the King James says, for thou has possessed my inward parts. What, why would that stick out to me? What did you find out? What does the definition mean? Hey, you guys, you told to me you would jump acquire, right in. <laughs> create by possess. Um, yeah. Let's see. Of God originating, creating, redeeming his people, possessor. Um, of Eve acquiring, of acquiring knowledge, wisdom, to buy, to be brought. So to possess. You possess my inward parts. What does that mean? I like to erect, too. Did you see that it means to erect? My little boys used to play with erector sets. Do you, you know, do you know what they are? Am I dating myself? Where they would build and erect something with these erector sets. And, and, and he's erecting my inward parts. Let's first jump and find out what the inward part means there. What, what was the definition of that? Anybody? Are you talking about the kidneys? My reins. Oh, you're mm -hmm. doing the reins. Okay. The inward parts. Yeah. So the kidneys, right? Yeah. The kidneys. Wow, inward parts means kidneys or reins. Why, why would inward parts mean kidneys or reins? Somebody? It said that the kidney is an essential organ, um, but the first mention did say two kidneys. So, so I was like, why? Why is it the kidneys? And and it brought up a phrase saying fat of the kidneys of rams, and so I. I, this wasn't my own writing, but I was looking up in a commentary, and it was talking about the kidneys and how important they were. And what do the um, kidneys do? First, tell me that. They well, Patty here, she's a nurse. 
I have it. I have the okay. definition. So the kidneys act as a very efficient filter for ridding the body of waste and toxic, toxic substances and returning vitamins, amino acids, glucose, hormones, and other vital substances into the So they filter toxins is what, what kidneys do. And that's going to be really important as you hear this because, and Leah's going to go on with her definition, because the, the inward parts is really, uh, the, the Hebrews would use the word kidneys for what? The, the desires, your affections, your what else? Your emotions. Oh, baby, does anybody besides me need some filter of toxic emotion? Does anybody besides me need some filter on their passions and their desires that seem to... Now, reins, remember, we said it also meant reins. How many horseback riders do, you, do we have here? When I was a little girl, I learned to ride horseback, and how do you control the horse? By the reins. You direct the horse by the reins. How many of us allow our emotions, our affections to, to drive our life, to direct our life? And, and so we, we need some filtering of toxic junk, do we not? And so go ahead, Leah. I'm sorry. Now finish your definition. No, that's, that's super good. And so the, the other part was when it was talking about the kidneys, it was talking about it being a, a sacrifice yes. and being surrounded by fat. So I was thinking it could be either, you know, it, it, filters out the garbage, but then God, you know, if we're passionate about something or we have a gift, it can be for good too. Yep. So, you know, the Lord created us with certain things that we can either use it for good or bad. And yeah. in this case, it, it talks about it being a sacrifice. It says the kidneys owe their importance in the Bible, partly to the fact that they are embedded in fat and fat of such purity that fat of the kidneys was a proverbial term for surpassing excellence. For the visceral fat was the part of the animal best adapted for sacrificial burning and hence came to be deemed particularly sacred. Exactly. And it just talks about it. Um, it's also, they're hard to get to. It's the a, a natural symbol for the most hidden part of a man is the kidneys. Yeah. And I was thinking that our gifts and what the Lord's put in us can be hidden, and but he works it out of us. And, I was and our emotions Lord, can be hidden. Yes, and, he works those and they can be used for good or bad. Yeah. And so I was thinking that, you know, sometimes we're angry at the way we're put together. Like I, my whole life, I was told by teachers, Leah, use your indoor voice. And, and I would get frustrated because I would be talking to people and they would say, why are you yelling at me? And I'd say, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just, <laughs> this is how I talk. And when I, but I, when I stand in front of seniors and I work with a large group of people, I don't ever need a microphone. Mm -hmm. I can have 100 people in the room, seriously, and they never say, what? <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> they hear me clear as day. And so I have to learn how to harness that when it's not appropriate yeah. to keep my voice down and be quiet. And when someone looks like they're getting uncomfortable because I'm excited and talking too loud, I need to, I need to turn that around. And so it's the same thing. And in, in you were talking about reining things in. Yes. So what he puts inside of us can be a gift and worked out, but it can also be, it can be a benefit and not a benefit. But I want to talk some more about the sacrifice. Leslie, you found out something about this, the kidneys, and what did you find out about the complete sacrifice? So, i got to get my glasses, sorry. Um, the kidneys, which is the body's filtering system, and the four lobes of the liver processes the blood and anciently considered the center of intellect are the life-sustaining organs in our body. 
And so they had to be burned because it showed his sacrifice. Jesus. So sacrifice. a sacrifice was not considered complete unless the kidneys and the liver, and I, there was one other thing, was um, burned. Yeah, there was the four lobes of the, li the liver. So I said, so we talked, Leslie, you want to share what we talked about? And so the sacrifice is not complete unless that, that kidney is offered. And what did we say the kidney was symbolic of? Our emotions, our affections, our... <laughs> yes, Karen, go I ahead. I think I heard this once. Like, didn't they, when they pierced Jesus' side, wasn't part of it they pierced him to pierce? The kidneys in that area to make sure that it was complete. The sacrifice was complete. Yeah, I don't. I think I heard that somewhere along the way that that was part of what they did was to make sure. Yeah, I don't know about that, but yeah. I I do know that a sacrifice was not complete unless the kidneys were burned. But that they I think were doing to like make sure like he was dead, but like if this the symbolism in that, you know, would be powerful. Saying, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So th this week I was talking to the Lord about something. My emotions were high, and um, I was very emotional and affectionate about something. And the Lord said to me, uh, you have a choice, Rhea. That needs to be crucified. And I'm like, uh-uh. This needs to be heard. This is, I'm justified. This is right. I, I'm right here. And the Lord said, well, you have a choice. You can yield to my spirit or you can yield to your flesh. You can let your flesh rise up or you can crucify it and yield to my spirit. But I'm telling you, Rhea, that this is the way to life. And I'm like, but I am justified here. And, and because my emotions were really involved and, and I was justified. And he said, but it needs to be crucified. It needs to be sacrificed. And it was my kidneys, my emotions what was what he was asking me to crucify, what he was asking me to sacrifice. Remember, the sacrifice was not complete unless the kidneys were involved, unless the kidneys were burned, consumed, if you will. So how cool is that? Anything else about for you form my inward parts? So I just want to see this. I, I wrote, um, it was interesting to me. I, I said to, to Dave this week, when I read this, he formed my thinking processes, my emotions. And, and, and I wrote in my notes, I have a new way of praying for mental illness. Uh, because it, it says, you have possessed my inward parts. You are the possessor of my thinking, of my, my emotions, my, uh, my affections, okay? And, and so I, I said to Dave, I have a new way of praying for mental illness, that God possesses the mind. And I'm going to begin to pray for people that, God, you possess that mind in such a way that you push out anything that's not in line with you. And that you be the possessor of that mind again. Do you see how the study of the word is so important? Do you see that this is why we study? The next time I pray for somebody with mental illness, you better believe I'm going after the fact that God is the possessor of that mind, of those emotions that are out of control in that person. So do you see why studying the word is, is so vital? All right, so you formed my inward, uh, my inward parts, the rain, my reins. And it, it, I, Spurgeon says, God not only inspects and visits, but it is his own. He's as much at home in your heart and your emotions as a landlord is in his own estate or a proprietor in his own house. I, I love that. 
13b says, you covered me in my mother's womb. I love this because I'm praying for a new grandchild here, that God protects him, that he covers him. And so what does that word cover mean there? To weave together and to protect. What else? Knit or wove. To, to hedge. knit or to weave, yep. To hedge, um, fence about. To hedge or fence about, shut to shut in. in. Oh, yeah. baby, I am praying for that sweet baby, saying, God, hedge that baby in. Knit it together in Betsy's womb. Weave it in her womb in such a way that protects it and fences it in, that shuts it in that womb so that she doesn't miscarry, so that it doesn't prematurely abort. Are you with me? Himself. I loved it. To cover with armor, Karen. Did you yeah. see that? Protector. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Protector, weave together, screen. And so in the mother's womb, what, 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 is, what is the womb? Anything? Did you find out about that? So what happens when we make a choice to abort a baby that God knit together in his mama's womb, that God formed the inward parts of? I read an article this week about a professor at a college, and he was teaching an ethics class, and he presented his students with a problem. He said, there's a man, and he has syphilis, and his wife has tuberculosis, and they have had four children. One died. The other three have had what's considered to be a terminal illness. The mother is pregnant. What would you recommend? So she has tuberculosis, he has syphilis, one child died, the other three are terminal, and now she's pregnant again. What would you recommend? So the ethics class had a spirited discussion. The majority of the class voted that she should abort the child. The ethics professor said, fine, congratulations, you've just killed Ludwig von Beethoven. And that was, the, that was what happened in his family. His mother had tuberculosis. His father had syphilis. He had one brother that died. He had three that were terminal and ended up dying. And the mother found herself pregnant again. And she had a choice. Will I abort this child or will I go through and trust God with it? And Beethoven came out of that. God is creating us for a purpose. It's not, he is the giver of life. Verse 14, I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. What stuck out to you in that, that verse? Number one, what is praise there? Well, the first mention says praise. And so I was like, well, what is, you know, what is that praise? And I, what stood out to me was to confess, to confess the name of God and to give thanks. What else does it mean? Fear or... Um, or worship with extended hands. Uh, exactly. In acknowledgement to, of public, um, in a public manner. And to throw out your hands. See, some people, you know, if you're in a church and people are raising their hands, some people are uncomfortable with that. And they're like, why are they raising their hands? This is why. The word praise means to extend the hands or to raise the hands, to throw out the hands. I, I saw little Everett, uh, Leslie's grandchild, was here tonight. And, and I went to pick him up. And he, I was a stranger to him. And he wanted his mom. And so I put him down. And he ran over to his mom like this. Pick me up. I, I, I'm safe with you. Pick me up. And that's praise. Praise mm -hmm. is, is a child running to daddy and saying, hold me, daddy, because I'm safe with you. <coughs> so 
So it means to throw, to, to but, I, but so praise is what we think there. And I almost just moved on and been like, it's praise. First mention means praise, but it also means what, Leah? Confess. Leah said it means to confess. How is confession and praise the same thing? <laughs> confessing who God is, reminding yourself of that exactly, confessing his characteristics, his trait. But how else could confess be used in this passage? I will confess that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You're coming into agreement with what God says. Confess means to say the same thing as. So I'm confessing even though I don't feel it, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. What were you going to say, Megan? Didn't Tina's version say declare? Wasn't that one part of that that you read? It was like to declare? I don't think so. I think it to confess is what... Yeah, well, confess came out. I thought out. there was a version that we read that actually used the word declare. Though. Really? Let's well, look at it here and see. Um, to make confession, which is declaring. When, when I taught on, on declarations, what we're doing is we're confessing, we're saying the same thing. As, as, so, yes, it would mean declare, yeah. Um, very good. All right. So, I will praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. What does fearfully and wonderfully mean? To stand in awe. To stand in, in awe. reverence. To revere. Yep. Cause astonishment and awe. To cause astonishment and awe. I am fearfully. <laughs> I cause astonishment. Really? Think about that. I like to be distinct, marked out, separated, distinguished. Now that's wonderfully. Yep. To be distinct, oh, marked out, separated, and distinguished. Yes. Very good. Um, I am, remember, this, he, he's, he's talking about that same I applies to an unborn child and to the adult. Do you see it there? So he's saying it still applies to me today as an adult. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can I tell you there's nothing wrong with you? This is God's promise to you that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Can I tell you, I, I read a statistic this week. The human body, uh, the heart beats 70 times per minute. It pumps about 2,000 gallons of blood per day. The average body contains nearly 100 trillion cells. The brain contains 100 billion nerve cells. The kidneys process about 130 quarts of blood per day to filter out waste and water. Our skeletal system has 206 bones connected to a, a a um, major system of tendons, cartilage, and ligaments. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. I, I heard a story about uh, Dr. Chuck Smith, the head of Calvary Chapel, and his daughter said that he was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer, and, and he got to a point where he couldn't be treated any longer, and death was imminent, and, and the doctor called him into his office, and he put up a, a picture uh, of his um, x-rays and his MRI, and he said, Chuck, I'm just going to tell you there's nothing more that we can do for you. And Chuck's only reply to that is, wow. I am fearfully and wonderfully made because he got a glimpse of his body on the MRI and he realized how wonderfully made he really was. So, um, all right, so fearfully and wonderfully made. Anything else about that before we move on? So, Leslie's talked about being distinguished and I liked that it said to make separate, set apart, put a difference, show marvelous, <clears throat> and make wonderfully. So it was kind of what you were saying before about how we are different from one another. 
the first mention was I will sever, which is to divide or cutting by slicing. And, and I, I just, I, the Lord has made us to be set apart um, and he's marked us out and we can choose to be either set apart or blend in with other people. You know, it, we can be a chameleon or we can stand out and embrace the way that God created us to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good, Leah. This is why Friday morning we usually study one verse. Uh, I am rushing to get through all these verses for us. On Friday morning we would park on a verse because there's so much in that marked out to be distinct, to be separated, to be distinguished or wonderful. There, I, I would send you Psalm 4.3 and Ezekiel 11.7 both address that, uh, that word and we would just go on a search for those kind of things. And, and that's why Friday mornings are just my favorite time. We can't do that here tonight. But, but, but it, is, it is really um, good to, to, to what Leah said. We're marked out. I want you to understand that be, when you were a baby in your mama's womb, like baby Goodling is right now, God was marking you. He was making you distinct for a purpose. And, and we just want to blend in with everybody else. I'm not a blender, obviously, but I'm telling you, uh, we, we, God created us to be distinct, to be marked out for a purpose. And we're happy to be a cheap imitation of somebody else. Or we go looking for purpose someplace. Or we medicate that we can't find purpose. And, and, and if all we did was say, God, what have you created me for? Because I want to fulfill it. We'd find purpose. He's destined you. All right, so I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. My soul knows that full well. What did you find out there? With marvelous, I like... Um to be difficult to understand, um, to be beyond one's power, to be extraordinary. So his works are beyond our own power? Yeah. And hard to understand. So why did you like that, Tina? It's not, um, if, we, if we could do everything in our power, like, why would we need God? Why would we look to him? Why would he, like, like he's creating us to be bigger, like, we can't be who we are, who he created us to be without him. Uh-huh, very um, good. And so it's very like that time. marvelous. It's not about like, it's not about me and what I do. This is about what God has done like through me uh-huh. because, um, and, and that's the thing. I think it's so, um, if we can do everything that everybody can, we're no different than everybody. Mm-hmm. And so that's where God comes in. That's how he can work through us because um, and that's how we are able to show who he is to the world. And the body. That's yeah. why the body works so well together because mm-hmm. we're all created so differently. Yeah. Right. Very so good. It's not, if it wasn't marvelous, like what, what is it for? Like what's the purpose? So. Well, and I also like um, to be beyond one's power. Marvelous are your works. Yeah. Beyond my own power are your works. How many of you want to fix yourself? have tried to fix yourself and failed miserably. And it's, it's understanding, Lord, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't have the ability to fix myself. That's beyond my own power. But marvelous are your works. My soul knows that full well. What were you going to say, Sandy? Oh, about that. It also, that same Greek word goes to the wondrous thing, the same. Um, anyway, it's... Um, to perform a miracle, which I thought was really cool. Yes. And marvel, wonder, a supernatural deed that is something beyond human ability to grasp, do, or achieve. And the verb, para, para, which the word is, 
is part of a f uh, family of words that include the noun, which is P-E-L-E, -E, which is wonder, marvelous works, and then there's the adjective, which is also with that wonderful. Um, Isaiah 9, 6 states that one of Messiah's- wonderful father. Was wonderful, yeah. 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 And there's other verses, too, that go on with this. The matters beyond normal human perception requiring supernatural insight to see them. Yeah. Other examples are ex uh, Exodus 34.10, Psalm 107.8, and Isaiah 29.14. Yeah, so what Sandy's saying here is from, from this word, marvelous are your works, is, is a miracle. It's a, the, the use is, uh, it's a miracle. Do you know that you're a miracle? You are a miracle. His work in your life is a miracle. It's marvelous. It's beyond our own ability. It's supernatural. Yours? Yeah, so good. All right, so marvelous are your works. My soul knows that full well. We've talked about soul many times, but what is the soul? Your what mind, is it? Your will, mind, your emotions. Your mind, your will, your emotions. It's, the, it, it's your appetite, your desire, your emotions. And, um, and we talked about knows. Knows is yada. It means to know intimately. I'm intimately acquainted with it um, very well, vehemently exceedingly abundantly high great i know that i know i can't do this myself my soul is very acquainted with that very intimately acquainted with that all right verse 15 my frame was not hidden from you when i was made in secret what does that mean to you my frame was not hidden from you when i was made in secret what's the frame i heard leah talk about that substance the bones the substance the bones, the substance, uh-huh. Body. Might. Ray Stedman says the frame is the foundation of the body, the bone and muscular system. And that's where the body begins to be put together. It's the frame. When you build a house, you frame it first. God's framing my grandchild right now. Um, my frame was not hidden from you. What's the word hid there? This was phenomenal. I, I was just amazed by this. What does it mean? It means Hid. to conceal, cut off, to cover. To conceal, to cut off, to cover. But look at this. What? I heard somebody say it. Secret. What? Secret. Suppressed. Yeah. Destroy, cut down. To, and that's it. Desolate. To yeah. disown. Here it is. Look at disown. this. Yeah. My frame was not dis disowned by you. He didn't look at that mass of cells and say, oh, man, it's just Rhea. I'm going to just give up on her. Yeah, scrap it. He didn't say that. I love it. He didn't disown me. Though your mother and father forsake you, God will receive you as his own. My frame was, was not hidden from you. It wasn't concealed from you. He, your eye, his eye was on us in the womb. When I was made in the secret place, what does made mean? This was powerful. What is made? Fashion. Fashioned. What else? Accomplished. Accomplished. Yep. What else? Produced. Yep. Manufactured. I thought that was really cool. Suppress. Squeeze. Ordained. Oh. Yeah. Appoint or ordained. To put in order. Yeah. I love that you have that. Tell me again. Prepared. Yeah. So you, you found prepared. Did you find to prepare an offering to be presented to God, a sacrifice to be presented to God? 
The word is used in Exodus 29, 36, and it's where they're preparing a victim to be offered to God. Wow. From birth, Megan, you got it. From, from before I was even born, in the womb, I was already being prepared to be a sacrifice to God, to give up my life to, to bring Him glory. When I was made in the secret place, what's the secret place? I thought that was interesting because they had the masculine noun and the feminine noun. Yes. And the masculine, you know, covering shelter, hiding place, secrecy. Um, but the feminine noun was shelter protection. So, um, so I just thought that was interesting because it was like, you know, like we, I guess I think of like we're protecting our children or we are like we are their shelter. And like for men, it was almost, or the masculine, sorry, not men. <laughs> but the masculine noun was more of like you were going there. Like, it's like you were going to secret, you were going to hide, you were going to, to shelter. But like the, for the feminine, it was like, like you were protecting. Very good. Good, good, good. What else did you find there? So, and I was skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. What does that mean? I really love this. <laughs> um, I've been rushing to get through it in case you didn't notice. I was like, we got to get to it. So I like the word variegate. And well, I first, let's give me the definition, and then you can tell me what you liked about it. So okay. what was the whole definition? This was powerful. I agree with Leah. The curiously wrought? Yeah. Um, to variegate, mix colors, work in colors, and to be skillfully wrought or woven. I wish Karen Booth was here tonight because yeah. we need her. But anyway, go ahead. Well, so I, I liked the word variegate. And I looked that up in Merriam-Webster, and it said to, to diversify in external appearance, especially with different colors, dapple, to enliven or give interest by means of variety. So it just reinforced what we were talking about before, that he did that on purpose. He, he, he was very careful with all the ingredients he put in. And he variegated us. Mm -hmm. He made us all different. Yeah. yeah. Very good. What else did you find about that word, guys? One of the scriptures was from Exodus 26, 36, that you shall make a screen of the door for the tabernacle, weaving in blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine woven linen yep. made by the weaver, which um, all the detail that he goes through for everything that he designs, even like Noah's Ark and everything, but we're the tabernacle <laughs> and... You know, that's just really... We are the temple. That really Holy struck Spirit. me, that whole tabernacle, when the tabernacle came out. And he's, Ver yeah. yeah. Very good, oh. Sandy. Sandy's talking about the word intricately wrought. Um, Ray Stedman says it's one word in the Hebrew, and it really means the word embroidered. And he says, you ladies know what embroidery is. It's a little fancy stitches that are added to cloth. I don't know how you do it. We men never understand embroidery, but it adds beauty and it is especially fancy. That's the word used here. It describes the delicate embroidery of the body, the things that tie us together so that one organ supports another. The lungs need the heart and the heart needs the lungs. The liver needs the kidneys and the stomach needs both. All the parts are amazingly embroidered together. 
This, by the way, raises one of the unanswered questions about evolution. How an organ, which is only helpful to a body when it functions as a complete and mature organ, can develop in stages over a long period of time? Evolutionists have never understood that, yet it is one of the most vital questions to ask. The psalmist simply says, I am astonished when I consider the fact that my inward parts are knit together and embroidered together and are so necessary one to the other. Karen, you were talking about embroidery tonight. Why don't you share that? Um, I do embroidery, and so it's like each stitch is so important in the, in the grand scheme of things. I mean, I, you know, I copy a pattern, but it's like, you know, you might have three little stitches of, of one color, and then you're suddenly changing a different color because it, it's a, a it all completes a picture. I was saying how it also says knit, knit together. And when you're knitting, you don't want, you can't drop a stitch or it's kind of a mess. And God doesn't ever drop a stitch. Mm -hmm. You know, he keeps all the stitches together in our lives. And he embroiders it like so beautifully. It's, it's, we're masterpieces, mm -hmm. just what you were saying. Yeah. We are masterpieces. Yes, we are. I, I, I teased and said I wish Karen Booth was here tonight because Karen does all this stuff. And, and I wanted to ask her, but this Karen does as well. So when you embroider or when you knit, what is it? Uh, you're holding that thing in your hands. It's hands. Your hands are on it. And, and it's close to your face. Your eye is on that masterpiece all the time. And it's, that's a picture of what God is doing in our life. When he's knitting us together, when he's embroidering, and how personally we were made. One preacher I heard said, we, we think it's a baby kicking when really it's God's knitting needles <laughs> um, in a mother's womb. So I thought that was cool. All right, anything else about embroider? I, um, I thought this was interesting. This was the definition from Webster's uh -huh. um, for rot. And um, it's, number one, worked into shape by artist, artistry or effort. Um, number two, elaborately embellished, ornamented, uh. processed for use, which I thought was neat, or manufactured, um, beaten into shape by tools, hammered, um, and deeply stirred, excited. Uh. That's a Friday morning person sitting there. Yeah, very good. So wh why did that stick out to you? Uh, well, I just think that's what God, he formed us into shape by artistry. artistry. Mm -hmm. You know, each one of us is so unique. And I liked how um, elaborately embellished, ornamented, again. I love know, that. Each one is just so perfectly embellished. And we are ornaments. We're, and we should show, you know, yeah. the world that we are. Um, Beaten into shape by tools, yeah. you know that, that again. That's that's being formed, but sometimes I relate that to, you know, the the um, the trials we go through. Yes. So um, and deeply stirred, excited. I'm thinking he's just God is just excited about us. He's yeah. he's deeply stirred, which that I thought was awesome. So. Yeah. Very good, very good. And, and I chuckled when Pam was talking because Pam and Karen are both very creative and artistic. And I always see a project in Pam's lap all the time. And, and we are God's, we're never far from him. He, he, he's, his hands are always on us. And where can I go from your presence? Okay, great. Let's go. So your eyes saw my unformed substance being, or my substance being yet unformed. Um, and in your book, they were written before one of them ever came to be. What Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. What is that? 
thought it was interesting with the eyes because it talked about um, spring or fountain. Uh-huh. And, you know, I was trying to think of, like, I, I really don't know, but I was just trying to think of, like, what is it? And I went to the um, law of first mention, which was Genesis 3-5. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil and blessing and calamity. And when you think of a spring and when you think of a fountain, you think of life. Um, but it can also cause death. And so I think it's, you know, like, what are we doing with our eyes? Like, our eyes can lead to life, and our eyes could lead to death. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But his eyes on us are looking for what? His eyes on us are unformed substance. I mean, I I can pick out every rotten thing about me, but when God is searching me, when his eyes are on me, the, the word see there is inspect. What is he, is he inspecting and saying, she's so flawed, she's so messed up. Is that what he's doing? No, he knows what he's put in me, and, and he sees everything. I, I would focus on all the wrong I've done, but he doesn't. I, I don't get this kind of love that he is constantly focused on the good, calling the treasure out in me. And, and while, while baby G is being formed, God has got his eye on his unformed substance, the substance of what he wants him to be what, when he grows up. Already, that's at work. Already that's at work. So, so what is that word substance? We talked about it a bit. Leah, you, had, you pulled the definition out there. It, it's really the embryo. It's my rolled up substance. And, and so that people say, well, when does life really begin? When do you think life really begins? Somebody tell me. <laughs> Conception, you better believe it. Yeah. Um, all right. See the root word for that uh, one? Uh-huh. Um, to wrap up, fold, fold together. And then also, this was the only time um, in this verse that that word was used. There you go. Wrapped up, it rolled up. That's where the rolled up came from. Yeah, the root. Okay. So your eyes saw my unformed or my unperfect substance, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them ever came to be. What do you see about that? What is book? This one blew my mind. What is it? He already knew what he was going to create. It was already in his book. So what is book? I when, saw, oh gosh, loud. The heavenly royal register of God's decisions. I just love that. I love that. Yeah. The heavenly royal register of God's decisions. Let's pull out the book before we create baby goodling. Because it's already in his book before one of his days ever came to be. What else in that same, uh, Carol, another Friday morning person. Carol, what did you find out? But um, I had an atopic pregnancy. Uh And your picture of 12 weeks, this little baby of mine only lasted six weeks. And I'm thinking, God ordained that. Six weeks. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think of the women that have lost babies, Mm -hmm. that they can be, I guess, excited to know that God had that planned out for him, you know? Absolutely. Dave and I lost a baby. I was showing. I, it, very, he had a name, uh, uh, 20 weeks, I think it was, and uh, we lost a baby, and that was probably the hardest thing we've ever been through in our life because I had to deliver that baby, um, and, and it was not fun. And, it, and we so look forward to that baby. So, Carol, I understand that. And, but I'm telling you, the glorious thing about it is that baby now skipped all the pain of earth <laughs> and is waiting for me in heaven. Your baby skipped all the pain of earth. Six weeks, 
life begins at conception. That baby was, was God ordained that child. You get to have a whole eternity with it. It skipped out all this pain and heartache. Karen, yes. Can I just say along those same things too? Because this verse brings up a lot for me. Like I you know, lost a lot of pregnancies. And one of them, um, like God really showed me a picture of it. But I, um, after Graceland, Graceland was born in January of 2017. And I knew that the Lord told me that I was going to conceive a son in July. And, um, and sure enough, in July, you know, conceived, you know, a baby. And what's interesting is that, um, and you guys know the end because you see my three little girls. <laughs> um, but I never would I have understood this verse. But before that baby, I'm telling you, I knew. I just, I knew it was the Lord and I knew that we would conceive. And what was interesting, like we were, um, my husband and I were with his family in July, like in Colorado. So it wasn't like this was like, pardon me, like an, um, like an attemptive situation. It was like, you know, one chance when you get home and it was, it was anything like that. So it was like, we were only there one time. And, um, but before that baby was formed in my womb, you guys, I am telling you, I knew him. I can't explain it, but when we were driving to Colorado, wasn't even pregnant yet, I knew him. I would look at the sunset and I knew him in my spirit. I didn't know I'd end up losing him. He was... He was there with me even before, so I would even dare say life begins at the knowing because I knew that little boy, and I was shocked when I went for my nine-week ultrasound because I, I had no symptoms of miscarriage or anything, and, you know, you've been there, and for those of you that have been there, it was just like someone took like a, you know, they were like, oh, there's no heartbeat, and it's like, well, why would God go through all this telling me I'm going to conceive a son? I knew him. I mean, I, I mean... When I took the pregnancy test, I didn't even have pregnancy symptoms. I took it because I knew that I was going to conceive. I mean, at the moment of conception, I knew I, I can't even explain it, but I knew him. I knew him in my spirit. And um, and so when it, like he was lost, it was like, okay, God, but why? But this verse came to life for that, and God kept bringing me back that I got a moment to know him mm. the way that the Lord does. And I, I'll never be able to explain it, but I got just that, that little peak of how do you know someone that wasn't even conceived yet I don't know, but my spirit knew him. Yeah, and you have the rest of eternity to spend with him. Yes, and you're going to see him in eternity. You'll see him in heaven too. Yeah, yeah. Because I lost one too, but it was. Yep, and we hold on to that. So I, I love that the word book also means written decree. That 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 sweet baby that I showed you tonight, God decreed him into being. My son and daughter-in-law think they decided him into being, <laughs> but God decreed him into being. Many of you know the circumstances of my birth. My mom, and, uh, my mom had an affair and conceived me in an adulterous affair that she had. It would be very easy for me to feel worthless. And, you know, the world has a name for somebody like me. I had written in the front of my Bible for the longest time, God, God did not purpose the sin, but he purposed the person. If God didn't want me here, I would not be here. Um, and so I love that. I love that he is, he is a Lord over all of that. All right, so... Let's finish this up. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What, what, did you, what, what does that speak to you? You're not going to die one second before God says it's time. I'm, I'm sorry. I believe in healing. I will pray for healing. I believe that God will heal. But I'm here to tell you that not even the biggest faith in the world can interfere with a point at time. If it's your point at time, God says it's been appointed to man to die once and then you face judgment. And you will die at your appointed time because all the days ordained for you 
were written in his book before one of them ever came to be. I believe that this is talking about the days on, on earth. However, I read commentaries, and I don't know if you all did, that talked about uh, the purposes for your life were written in, in his book before one of them came to be. So how does that work with free will? Does somebody want to comment on that? How does, if God ordained all your days and your purposes, and yet you have free will and you can choose to do what you want, how does that work? He has the master plan for your life. And, and you it's can, a good plan. Yeah, and so everybody has a call. And so you either choose to obey it and follow it, or you choose to listen to the voice of the enemy who has a call for your life, too, or he has a plan for your life as well. So Leslie's mic cut out, and she said, God has a master plan for your life, and it's a good one. And before you were ever born, he called you. He had a purpose for your life. You're not here to enjoy, you know, Dave and I went to a fun restaurant last night. You're not here to go do that. You're not here to, to find the best sale at Macy's. You're not here to, to go out with your friends on a Friday night. You are here to bring God glory. And there's a purpose and a plan for your life. And that's when you're most fulfilled is when you're walking in that calling and in that gifting. But you and I have a free will. All the days ordained for you were written in his book before one of them ever came to be. He had a plan and a purpose for your life. But you have a choice. I have a choice whether I fulfill that call, that purpose, or not. But when we're miserable, I promise you, it's because you're walking outside of his will for your life. You're not fulfilling that plan. Leslie said, the enemy of your soul, the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he is aiming at destroying your life. He's got a plan in his book too. And you get a choice which one you obey, which one you walk out. And, and, and so our daily prayer should be, Lord, you know, the steps of a righteous man are anointed by you. Anoint my steps. Help me to walk in my call and my purpose. All the days ordained for you were written in this book before one of them came to be. And then he says, how precious are your thoughts. Um, how great is the sum of them. If I would count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. Very quickly, what did you find out about that? When I'm awake, I'm still with you. Anything that really stuck out there? I just want to tell you, have you ever tried counting sand? One commentator said, uh, I actually, I, I can't remember who it was. It might have been a pastor. He said, if you took a single teaspoon of sand and counted all the grains of the sand in that teaspoon and multiplied it by the beaches, all the beaches and the deserts in the world, um, it would roughly be 7.5 times 10 to the 18th power grains of sand, or 7 quintillion 500,000 quadrillion grains of sand. And he's saying, your thoughts about me are more than that. God's thoughts about us are more than that. What were you going to say, Megan? Yeah, they were talking, um, there was a commentary that I, that I looked at, and they were talking about like um, when the promise was made to Abraham that his descendants would outnumber the stars. Like, it was because we can't comprehend eternity, uh, it's, like, it's like man's way of, of trying to just even put eternity into words of what, you know, I don't know. I'm not making much sense, I guess. But Yes, you are. And then That's good. I read, um, it, the version that I read it in is the Common English Bible, um, and that verse, um, if I tried to count them, they outnumber grains of sand. And a lot of the versions said, and when I would wake up, um, but mine says, if I came to the very end. And um, 
I just, like you were talking about how much sand is in like one little space. And it made me think of like, like when I get to the end of my days, mm -hmm. like, like there's a beach full of sand. And when I get to the end of my days, I'd still be standing in the same spot, ah. like there with you. I wouldn't get ahead of you. Like that's just how that's I so kind good. of read it. Um, in the version that I had, it made me think like I wouldn't, I wouldn't even take a step forward. I'd still be He's counting so the grains. Vast. Right. He's so amazing. So, yeah. you know, and that's like his thoughts for us. I mean, that was just incredible to me. So did you ever get a card from somebody and they said, I was thinking about you or a phone call and I just had to call you because you were on my mind. How does that make you feel? Special. Can I tell you how precious are your thoughts about me? God thinks about you. And he doesn't just think about you every once in a while and when you're good. He, he thinks about you. So his thoughts for you are so, uh, numb, so vast that if, if I were to, to, to sum them, if I were to total them up, they would outnumber the grains of the sand and all the beaches and all the deserts in this world. That's how fond of you he is. <laughs> That's how fond of you he is. How precious are your thoughts toward me, Lord. Anything else about that that stuck out to you? When I awake, you're still there. He's, he has not left us for a second. Do you think that that is like Megan was talking about? Do you think that that really applies to sleep? Or what do you think that applies to? I'm wondering if it doesn't apply to lethargy. I, I'm really... My heart, the reason I want to have these impartation services and worship services is because I see lethargy in the church. I see people who have been lulled to sleep, people who are just going through religious motions, who are not real and authentic, people who are just showing up on Sunday morning and checking it off their list. Uh, we have a spiritual lethargy. And, and I'm wondering how much of this, when I wake up and I realize who you really are, even there, you're still there. I've been spiritually asleep for so long, and yet <laughs> you haven't even left me. Um, I wonder how much of it is that as well. And so uh, next week, I'm going to get Rhea's through this, Tom. A, the root on that, it, it came up abrupt, abruptness in starting up from asleep. Uh, abruptness? Like, yeah. So why why would that be important, Sandy? Well, because of what you just said, yeah. that people are sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, they need to, we need to, we need to. Start away. I use myself. You yeah. Know, we need to wake up because, you know, you don't know when your last day could when be the days or whatever. Yeah, ordained the days for you are, are up. Yeah. Yeah. And very good, Sandy. Very, One of the very root good. words, too, is, is, uh, means become active. You know, like just the opposite of lethargy. When I'm stirred like awake. Yeah. 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 Very good. All right, guys. So next week, we're going to get through it. Uh, if only you would slay the wicked, verse 19, and we're going to go down to 22, and then we'll finish that last passage of the last week. But 19 through 22, uh, it takes a turn here. And so make sure you, you ask yourself why we're suddenly taking a turn. A different tone is coming up to play here and that's going to be really important anybody else see anything that you wanted to share that's burning inside of you I can I just share a quick story Rhea Karen oh. yes absolutely. Um, this this passage was really tender to my heart um, because um, I prayed for my daughter um, even before conception mm -hmm. and 
I, I tested the Lord a little bit. If you really do hear prayers, would you hear this one? And then I prayed for her, and I actually placed an order how I wanted her. <laughs> I know that's really weird, but um, he gave me the desires of my heart. You know, I don't want an active little girl. I just want a little girl that loves to do crafts and loves to be with mama and simple little girl because I had two very active boys. And then he gave me his signature with the blue eyes. And no one has blue eyes in, in my family. Uh. And I just like, wow. And I, so I, I brought that to the Lord, and she, he said, every time you look at her eyes, I want you to remember the gift I've given you. Mm. It's so precious. Mm. And she yeah. is a gift. Yeah. She's a little sweetie girl. Yeah. Good, good, good. Um, the part where you talk about inner parts, meaning kidneys, yeah, and and I think about all the people that need kidney transplants, and yeah. God gave us two kidneys, uh -huh. knowing we could live with one, and that others could sacrifice their kidney for another. Yeah, so good. He just and, knows it all, doesn't he? And Rhea. Yeah, yeah. Debbie is on a list for kidneys. You're on the list for kidney? You need a kidney transplant? Oh, Father. Yeah. yeah. We need to pray for you right now. I didn't realize that. We already told her she's healed. You can have one healed. of mine. Do you need it? Rhea, we already told her she's healed. So, Father, I thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. You say that we don't have because we don't ask. And so I'm asking, Lord. And, and I can ask big, and you promise that you'll do immeasurably more than that. And so I'm bringing my friend to you, Lord God, and I'm asking you, the healer, for a touch from heaven. Lord, you are the divine, supernatural surgeon. You're the great physician. You're the one who promises that by your stripes she's healed. And so we speak to her kidneys, and we command them to begin functioning in full working order. We command them to be in divine health in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord God, that your spirit would jumpstart them now in Jesus' name and that they would begin to flow and to function like they're supposed to. Lord God, I thank you that she's not going to need a transplant. We're going to decree that over her, that she's not going to need a transplant, that you are a miracle-working God, that you're still in the business of miracles. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And yesterday, you, you did miracles. And I'm asking you, Lord God, for a miracle now in Jesus' name. You say as it is in heaven, it'll be on earth. And Lord, there, there is nobody in heaven in need of a kidney. And so we call heaven to earth now in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father, that you say no good thing do you withhold from those who love you. And so I'm asking you to not withhold this kidney, Lord, that you'd breathe breath of life back into it. You won't leave yourself without a testimony. And I pray, Lord God, for the testimony of your divine supernatural healing, Lord, to take place in Debbie's life. We love her, Lord. And we give you praise and honor and glory for the miracle-working God that you are in Jesus' name. I, I don't even care if you aren't. I know what I believe. Uh, and I don't need to ask you if you're feeling any different because I believe that God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And he waits for faith. Without faith, without total trust in him, it's impossible to please him. And we have got to train our minds to come into agreement with God. With God 
nothing is impossible. This is not impossible. And we're going to believe. And, and, and it may be that he wants you to do this transplant because maybe there's a doctor that you need to get in touch with. But until that day comes, I'm going to believe that that kidney is going to be jump-started. Um, as I was praying for you, that's what I saw, a jump-start in a car. That's why I use the word jump-start because that's what I saw. Um, and so I, I, he knits you together. He knows exactly where, where the, the malfunction is, and he can, he can handle it. Karen? This doesn't normally happen, but when you first, before you said, literally, I didn't know anything about the kidney. Literally, my, God said, her body's toxic. Mm -hmm. And that has never happened. Then like, pray right now Yes. And mm -hmm. so, and if the toxics, I don't know enough about the body, but it could even be maybe an issue with the liver where the core and that can be filtering. I don't know, but I've never, it was just like, and then when you said the kidneys, it was like, oh my gosh, because it was just, it wasn't your toxic, but like her body's toxic. It was just, so something, there's, there's a toxicity in you that Yeah, so now I want you to out. lay hands on her and pray yeah. against that toxicity. So Father, we just lift up Debbie too right now, and I, we do, I just, we gather here together and just pray, Lord, that her body would come into that perfect alignment. And God, I just speak to that toxicity, and I'm asking, Lord, that you would take every cell, everything that has built up, and begin to um, just literally like just reverse what has been happening in her body, and that whatever systems are blocked and are causing the toxic uh, buildup, that you would begin to release, 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 so that the um, the blood can flow properly, so that um, just every part of her just that needs to come into alignment, that God, that you would give her wisdom, it, because God, you know where the exact source of this issue is, is. and I just, because of that, Lord, I just, I, I'm stepping out here and saying that I just believe that there's some level of toxicity that is contributing to this. And when that toxicity comes into alignment, that, that these kidneys are going to flow, your liver's going to flow, and that the two are going to come into just that perfect alignment so that your body can, can heal and be at the place it needs to be. So, God, I thank you. And uh, I just believe that you are just going to bring your cleansing power, your holy touch, and that you would give her that wisdom and discernment um, to know what she needs to do, but also, God, where she needs to, um, you know, just uh, just even increasing water, whatever it is, to get that toxicity out of her, Lord. So we speak to that and believe, Lord God, that you can and you will, yes. and that you will pour that that toxic, whatever is built up in her body, and, and bring it into your alignment. So we thank you, Lord, that, that she will walk in a full healing, Lord, because you know the root, and so we speak to that root, and we just ask that um, you heal her, Lord, in Jesus' in name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We do believe, and I'm telling you, this is this is why we're doing the impartation night, uh, because that that's who God is. Dave is a testimony here. He can tell you. Many of you have heard this story. I had a cancerous tumor on my forehead. You could see it. It was protruding, was it not? Um, I went to the doctor. She cut it off. She sent it out for a biopsy. I thought it was going to be basic skin cancer, no big deal. She called me back to the office a few days later. Uh, she had me come in. I knew something was different. She didn't give me the, the um, report over the phone. She pulled her chair up and she said, Rhea, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but it's squamous cell carcinoma and it's invaded the nerve. And, and it's our experience that once it hits the nerve, it'll go throughout your whole body. And she said, we have to remove that. We have to begin radiation treatments. And I said... <laughs> 
I am going to be healed in Jesus' name. And she kind of patted me on the hand and was like, you know, whatever you need to say, you just do. And But you need to go to the doctor. They set up the radiation appointments. I was going to have a month of radiation treatments, five days a week, and then um, for a month. Went to this doctor to do Mohs surgery. He was going to cut. We had the lab results in our hand that said it was perineural invasion. We went to this uh, doctor. He was Hindu, Hindu, and uh, he was going to do the surgery. He made a cut, and he. I said to him, he had he measured the tumor. He brought his nurse in and measured it. I said to him, "We're praying. I'm going to be healed." And he laughed out loud at me in the doctor's office. And, and he left the office, and I said, Lord, we just made a testimony of your power, and now you need to back it up because we just, we just testified to your ability, and he laughed at you. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. Am I exaggerating one bit at all? He cut a big chunk out of my head. He was going to go take it and look under the microscope to see if he got the margins and all the cancer. He said it would take several cuts. He'd have to come back and go back to the microscope each time. He came back into the office about 20 minutes, and he was literally white as a ghost. And he said, I, I just have to tell you, he said, I can't find any evidence of, of nerve invasion. And he said, I have this biopsy here that says you have perineural invasion, but there's no evidence. And he said, not only that, he said, I can't find any tumor in your head. And he said, we measured it. And he said, but there is no evidence of cancer in your, in your head at all. And, and he said, now I have to take what I call an insurance layer. He said, because I have this pathology report that says you have squamous cell carcinoma with perineural invasion. And he said, it's a serious business. And he said, I have to take this, this uh insurance layer and he said and when I cut it you're going to lose I'm going to cut a facial nerve and you're going to lose feeling all down over your head and I was like Lord why would you do that to then do you know have this nerve issue and sure enough he cut it and it was like this wave went back over my head and I lost complete feeling over the back of my head tingling it was and so we testified to him about the Lord. We told him about the Lord, and he laughed again. He was just flabbergasted. And, but we left, and, and they canceled all of the radiation appointments. I wasn't going to need radiation anymore. We, had a, had a, uh, we were planning to go on vacation, but we had to cancel it because of this radiation. So we decided we were going to go on vacation after all. And um, we stopped by church to get Dave's stuff, and there was a pastor there, and she saw this massive bandage on my head, and we hadn't told anybody because I was believing in faith that I was going to be healed. And she said, Rhea, what happened? And I told her the story, and she said, God didn't heal you of cancer to give you nerve invasion. She laid her hand on my head, and she began to pray. Ten minutes later, I got complete feeling on the back of my head. So I know that you think I'm whacked out sometimes, but I'm telling you, I believe what I preach. I absolutely believe it. I believe in jump-starting those kidneys. And I believe that this, this uh, impartation night, a night of healing, uh, a night of imparting those gifts, what you saw Karen do when she said, I heard the word toxic, do you know what that was? That was a word of, word, word of knowledge. She had information that she didn't know uh, about Debbie. And then she, she, she got uh, able to pray with wisdom because she had that secret information from God. That's the way he works. And this is how the church should function. And we're not. And is, it no, is there any wonder that nobody wants Jesus? 
If we can't offer hope that nobody else is offering, no wonder nobody wants us. And if we're offering hope and then we're doing something bizarre and acting some creepy way that the people look at and say, well, that's Jesus and you're, you're talking about Jesus one minute, but you're ugly the next. I don't want that Jesus. And that's why we have got to start raising the bar and, and becoming the, the, the Christ-like people that we're supposed to be, functioning in the gifting and the calling of his, of his Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, that will change the world. And so I've kept you too long, so let's just pray. So, Father, thank you. Thank you that you're a miracle-working God, and you're going to touch Debbie, you're going to touch baby Ezekiel, and that you're going to do... Um, immeasurably more than we could ask. Now, Lord, I pray that this word would just come alive to the people, Lord, that you would keep us in, our, in your word, that you would just prove to us that you know us and that you couldn't love us more. Bless each one here tonight, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.